This is Oscar Bait. Introducing your hosts, Jenny Townsend and Natalie Tanchik. Hello all and welcome to another audacious episode of Oscar Bait. We are your hosts, Nat and Jenny. Coming up this week, we're going to take a look at the thrilling true story, Captain Phillips. We're going to be tapping the Hollywood rumour mill for the latest awards whispers. And we'll talk about pretty boys and why they just can't win Oscars. Sad face. But first, let's hit the news. You want to hear some great news? The best documentary shortlist has been released. It is now down to 15 films, all vying for the award. Hitting in the mix is the Pussy Riot movie, the documentary all about Pussy Riot and their arrest, uh, the backup singer tribute 20 Feet from Stardom, and the fascinating act of killing. Early contenders, those three, you think? I think so. Uh, Also nominated is a film called Blackfish, which is about an actual killer whale that killed three of its trainers at it, SeaWorld. <laughs> from this shortlist at the moment, the, the big contenders, the ones that we're hearing a lot about, apart from Pussy Riot, they're not, there's not too much like political like noise going on this year. Mm. It's kind of like more like real true stories, which is kind of oh, not that documentaries are yeah. ever not <laughs> but like, real true stories. But interesting, kind of strange true, true stories. Um, the front runner for this category is certainly The Act of Killing. It's directed by Joshua Oppenheimer, uh, who gets Indonesian death squad killers to reenact their own killings in a film that they make and direct themselves. So it's this weird, strange pantomime reenactment of these executions that um, these Indonesian death squad killers had to perform. And it takes on this like really kind of bizarre sort of feel from what I've heard. Yeah, well, from the look of the trailer, it looks very surreal. Really Like surreal. it's all like very, very interpretive like films about death. So, I mean, yeah, that's a big front runner for the to the start. I mean, the only other thing I know about it is that Werner Herzog really loves it. So <laughs> take from that what you will. Well, he just did a, um, Werner just did a documentary talking to people on death row, mm. having like very serious interviews with people on death row. So I'm not surprised that he would love a movie <laughs> about people reenacting mass executions. But I do think, I mean, 20 Feet from Stardom has star power. It has a lot of, like, big names in it, mm. uh, big musician names in it. And um, Pussy Riot's got the politics angle. So it, it, those are the three big ones, I think. But yeah. I'm, I'm a, not an expert in documentaries. <laughs> Some of the other films include The Armstrong Lie, Stories We Tell, The Square, The Crash Reel, Which Way Is the Front Line From Here, The Life and Time of Tim Hetherington. There was Joshua Oppenheimer. He didn't say much. He opened his laptop and showed me eight minutes excerpts from his film and I looked at it and I immediately knew I had never seen anything like that I'd never seen anything as powerful as frightening and as surreal as what was on the screen and I immediately said this is big 
Now, in the past week, the Actor Award nominations have been released. That is the Australian Academy of Cinema and Television Arts. Oh, what a mouthful. I miss when they were just called the AFIs. I miss the AFIs, that's for <laughs> sure. They tried to ham the actor thing in. What actors? Mm. <clears throat> uh, amongst the nominations are The Great Gatsby and The Rocket, the big two movies that have been nominated a lot. And that's likely the only awards that they will end up with. Um, the actors will have absolutely no effect on anything ever. Whatsoever. But it is nice to give Aussie movies a pat on the back and we did have, you know, The Great Gatsby was such a huge film for Australia this year. Even if it was maybe a bit ham-fisted and even if it's probably not going to win anything, maybe Best Costume, The Rocket could get a really cool nod for Best Foreign Language Film, which would be really cool for Australia to win. We can only hope. And as I stood there brooding on the old, unknown world... I thought of Gatsby's wonder when he first picked out the green light at the end of Daisy's Dock. We can only hope. And moving on to the big awards, the Critics Awards now have just kicked off with the New York Film Critic Awards this week. Jennifer Lawrence took home Best Supporting Actress for her role in American Hustle. J-Lo. Woohoo! Kate Blanchett, representing Australia, took away Best Actress for her role in Blues Jasmine. Jared Leto, uh, for playing a transgender person with AIDS in Dallas Buyers Club, took away Best Supporting Actor. And Robert Redford for Best Actor, playing a man stuck on a raft by himself all like is a lost yeah <laughs> all is lost it's, yeah it's, you described it to me when we saw the trailer for it you said this is basically gravity on the sea <laughs> <laughs> it's gravity put through like an old man in the sea like filter <laughs> basically yeah. and no George Clooney so I'm, I'm not sold um, and American Hustle took best film so already we're starting to see a few of the major kind of um, critic awards coming through that are giving us a little bit of a taste of who's got a bit of momentum for the Oscars. Well, the good thing about the Critics Awards is that they tend to give us more of an idea about the acting sort of the direction that the acting nominations will go mm. because it's it's easy to look at the big contenders for film and be like best picture cinematography all that sort of stuff best directing but the acting is a little bit hard to see how the academy will go until we start getting the critics awards coming out mm. and even so they don't always agree with the critics which can be regrettable oh, well I'll let's not that. talk about <laughs> we will talk about retro awarding in an upcoming episode that's for sure also it was uh, released in the same time the Gotham Awards. Well, it looks like they're vying for the <laughs> same sort of market as the New York Film Critic Awards. The Gotham Awards went in a more independent sort of uh, direction. I think they're an independent awards. They're yes. almost like the Spirit Awards. The Spirit Awards for the East Coast. Yes. Um, the Dallas Buyers Club, uh, Inside Lelwyn Davis, which is the new Coen Brothers film, Short Term 12 and Fruitvale Station were all big uh, winners. Matthew McConaughey picked up an uh, acting award. At the Gotham Awards. He did. He picked up Best Actor for Dallas Buyers Club, which is among sort of many awards that he's now picked up for that role. And he's gaining quite a lot of momentum up to the on the road to the Oscars, I think. After 10 ways to lose a guy. How to lose a guy in 10 days. Who would have thunk it that we'd be seeing him in these hard-hitting roles these days? And it's good to see um, indie movies getting their kind of dues. Short Term 12, I've heard a lot about, but I don't know if there are any really powerful indie films that really are looking to re- shake things up this year. Mm. I think Inside Lewin Davis is maybe the only Which one that is in with a proper chance. But you can't... I, I don't think we can look at Inside Lewin Davis and call it like truly an, an independent movie. film. I mean, it, it is, is a Coen Brothers it movie. It is an independent film, but the Coen Brothers 
have won Academy Awards, you know, and they have been making solid movies for so long that they they're a staple of like Hollywood. So you can't really call it independent, <laughs> but you know, God bless them for what yeah. they do. <laughs> it's been a big week for award nominations, and the 41st annual Annie Awards have released their nominations. This is the awards for best animated pictures over the year. Yeah, and they even actually just to like give a shout out to the Annies for being cool because they don't get a lot of attention from the rest of the the filmmaking community but they also do like broadcast commercials and sort of like um the the chipotle ad slash app thing has been nominated for like uh sort of best animated interactive project so they sort of do like a a broad range to really appreciate um all kinds of animation yeah where's dumb ways to die eh like that is true (laughs) that needs a damn that needs a win hey we won all the gold lion (laughs) khan advertising awards so you know yeah can't have it all. <laughs> exactly. You cannot have it all. But uh, leading the Annie Awards and giving us an indication of what will be nominated for Best Animated Feature, which is one of my favourite categories. Mm. Um, we've got Frozen, which is kind of from the, the Tangled School, um, the Tangled Creative Team, so from Walt Disney Animation Studios. We have Monsters University from Pixar, which is kind of a weak mm. entry, I think. Yeah, well, it's sort of like, you know, the Cars too. Yeah, <laughs> kind of entries that they they have to do. They have to enter something. They pick up. I'm finding it a bit regrettable that Pixar is going now a lot down the sequel kind of route. Mm. I mean, it's nice to revisit our favorite characters and such, but I really miss kind of Pixar's sense of originality. Mm. Yeah, their willingness to take risks. Yeah, well, that's just me. Uh, also uh, nominated are the Crudes. The DreamWorks entry, I never saw that. Despicable Me 2, which, you know, the first one's really popular. I think the second... Everyone just likes the bloody little, like, yellow things. Yeah, the minions. The minions. Whatever they are. Whatever they are. <laughs> but I think I think the ultimate frontrunner for this category and for the Annies is going to be The Wind Rises. Has to be. Which is the final film from absolute legend, the Japanese Disney, Hayao Miyazaki. Um, it is regrettable to see him retiring, but he has called it. He's called it quits. The Wind Rises is his last movie. At least, it, at least he knows, and he's not like Francis Ford Coppola and just going way beyond like his <laughs> abilities. But I mean, like if if Miyazaki does not win for this for animated feature, there will be riots in the streets. Yes, <laughs> a whole lot of like nerds will be very angry. They will be very very angry. They will probably burn down the internet somehow because they don't know how to. Doing things in real life. So. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta do something. I've heard here Miyazaki called the world's greatest human being. So I think he he really has to win. Yeah, this one. he just seems like a great guy, and he is basically responsible for Pixar by inspiration. Basically. So I mean, for anybody out there that's a massive Pixar fan, you would be nowhere without Miyazaki. Miyazaki. So he's definitely going to take this one, but it will be good to see what happens with the Annies in the coming weeks as well. On a lighter note, the New York Times has jumped aboard the Oscar silly season, and akin to sort of what the Hollywood Reporter does with uh, roundtables and that sort of thing, and Entertainment Weekly normally does a great big photo shoot with all the the big contenders for the Oscars. Um, They've decided to do a series of short films. And when I say short, they're around like a minute to two minutes. Yeah, one line. One line. It is bizarre. It is. (laughs) 
I recommend looking it up because it is a study in pretension. Like, it is amazing. It sure is. They've got all the kind of um, people who are sort of vying for best actor and best scriptwriter. A lot of the best performers yeah. and a lot of the, the screenwriters that are up for it. Yeah, so they've got, you know, um, Forrest Whitaker and Oprah Winfrey and... Greta Gerwig and um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus and, yeah, all of – and Oscar Isaac as well from um, Inside Llewyn Davis, all doing these weird little short films where they say one thing and that's kind of it. And some of them are brilliant. Some of them are, like, very, like, effective for something that's just, you know, one line and Mm. about a minute. Um, But a lot of them are just sort of (laughs) – Oh, Pretentious I, and strange. The, the Kate Blanchett one. I love Kate Blanchett. We've got to respect her. And that one, I think, is the one I like least. And to be fair, it was all of the short films were um, shot and directed by Janusz Kaminski, who is a famous cinematographer. He did Schindler's List, Saving Private oh, Ryan. Yeah. He's the big, like, um, Spielberg guy. Um, and so he directed these. And so I sort of think... It's kind of a good example of why cinematographers shouldn't move into directing, okay? <laughs> That's just what I think. Case closed. Case closed. Case closed. Stay behind the camera, guys. Kaminsky please. has proved it, especially with his uh, Bound to Companion piece, which finishes off. If anybody has seen the Kanye West uh, Bound to music video, I recommend going to have a look at New York Times Making a Scene. Show me where the bed is. Put a blanket over me. Let me see you again. In review with Nat and Jenny. In April 2009, the cargo ship Maersk, Alabama was on its way to Mombasa, Kenya when it was hijacked by four Somali pirates. After finding they couldn't control the ship, the pirates took the ship's American captain hostage. This is the tense true story of Captain Phillips. Four pirates on board, four pirates coming towards us down the main deck. Lock down the bridge. Yeah. Listen up. We have been boarded by four armed pirates. You know the drill. We stay hidden no matter what. I don't want any hostages. Best known for the original Bourne trilogy, Paul Greengrass has created a thrilling, unforgiving piece of cinema in his telling of Captain Phillips's story. It's not his first foray into a true story of American hijacking by a foreign enemy, but in the seven years since he made United 93, Paul Greengrass has continued to mature as a director. Captain Phillips is masterfully directed and tightly paced. It doesn't relent until its final moments. Greengrass handles this story with a near documentary style lens. It holds a balance and a sense of authenticity. It's not sentimental, but it's not cold or clinical either. Greengrass is able to muster our sympathy for both the American crew and the Somali pirates, and that's quite a feat. Captain, the ship's broken. Captain, no one get hurt if you don't play no game. Uh, it's The ship's broken. We had to go. Nobody gets hurt. Easy. Because hey! Look at me, sure. Look at me, sure. I'm the captain now. It is so good to see Tom Hanks in his element again. This is his most powerful performance, definitely, in at least the last decade. His final scene is a real testament to his place at the top of Hollywood's A-list. With the great performances across the board and unending suspense, Captain Phillips is a thrilling, 
as well as a moving ride. So what did you think of Captain Phillips, Jenny? Oh, well, it was (laughs) an experience, that's for sure. Mm. Um, It kind of, it falls into the theme that seems to be a big front runner for the movies of this year, which are very, like, emotionally intense movies that maybe I don't really have to watch ever again (laughs) because it got me so, like... uh, distraught the first time it's it's yeah like you said it's really shown that Greengrass is not just like an action guy anymore that he's kind of um expanding his horizons Mm. the final scene um is like a testament to why Tom Hanks is Tom Hanks like if there's anybody that's sort of gone like you know Tom Hanks he just seems like a cool uncle like figure like a good father figure or something (laughs) like um, you know what has he done for the past like decade that's been relevant Mm. Um, the the end of Captain Phillips like sells Tom Hanks as the superstar that he is it's fantastic it is absolutely incredible yeah Tom Hanks's performance in those last few minutes of the film are absolutely breathtaking just you just cannot look away and you not even for a second think that he's Tom Hanks. Like, he's this man. He's Captain He's Phillips. this family man <laughs> yeah. who has been through so much he can't even speak. Like, he, oh he cries when they touch him because it's so... Oh, he he's amazing in this film. And I think... You know, I mean, if he weren't such a veteran and when veterans get nominated at this kind of stage, you know, it's it's almost it's not token in this case because he's so absolutely incredible. He deserves it. But will he win Best Actor? I don't know. It's. I, I think I almost at this point I almost think he should mm. um, <laughs> because especially because there's that veteran thing going for him as well going against him mm. where sort of um, because he's such a well-known face and he's a well-known actor when you do something serious it sometimes people will just be like well you know you're just baiting us you just want to get another you know, statue to put next to Forrest Gump right so mm. like but no he deserves I think he almost deserves it more than anything else I've seen so far yeah I um, certainly agree but we're very, still very early into the season that's true um, what I really loved about this film what I really loved about Captain Phillips is just yeah like I said how clinical it sort of is how it just tells the story straight up you know it's not it, you know it's not anti-american it's not anti-pirate it's just <laughs> you know the sympathy on both sides mm. and there's hate on both sides i think like yeah yeah you just you just it's it, but it's not alienating either which is really impressive. Yeah, he's a very deft hand. And I think mm. he's made a lot of brave choices by doing that, especially because it is, if you break down the story to its basics, it's basically like, you know, an American captain gets captured by Somali pirates and then the Navy comes in and saves the day. Yay, yeah. USA. It's very easy to feel it like it's a pro-America that. story. It could be that, but he's handled it uh, so, like, subtly that it's, um, yeah, like you said, it, it's not clinical necessarily. It's kind of just, like, lays the facts down mm. and you make your own judgment sort of thing. What I love about it is that it kind of, it starts... It does, it does start with Phillips kind of his wife taking him to the airport and stuff, but it, it really doesn't dwell on that. It starts with the voyage and it ends at the end of the hostage situation. Mm, like it's, mm. it is just the story. Yeah. And, and no extrapolation, no flashbacks, no, 
you know, this is what's happening over in the States yeah. and, you know, nothing like that, basically. It's just there in the moment. He's made some very brave choices with it. And Catherine Keener is the, plays the wife and she, I love her. And she's underused. She's just not in anything. <laughs> and it's, it was actually, it was really nice to see her, even though it was a very minimal role. So the fact that, like, he sort of went, this is a great actress and, you know, I will get great actors across the board. Mm. You know, like I'm not just going to get some unknown. Or it's it was just very well well made. I was well made. I was very impressed by the Somali performers as well, and that they can they they just carried that story so so well. You sort of. You know, it's it's kind of an interesting thing to be on this Western kind of side and as far removed from being in that situation as possible mm. and yet being put in the situation of these people who are so desperate to take money so that they can pay off warlords so they can keep yeah. living. Like, <laughs> you go, oh, okay, I see why it's you guys a, do what you do. It's a, this is an awful situation. <laughs> this is... There's no right answer here. There could be actually. I might throw out a suggestion here Get that might be a bit left field. <laughs> but I feel like every year there's usually um, a niche nomination in acting. Mm-hmm. That's the guy who played the Somali, the lead Somali pirate, could get like. I mean, that sounds so bad calling it like a niche thing, but we're talking about, let's, I mean, like, you know, the Academy is made up of mainly like old white men. So, so there could be a possibility that he would get a nomination for acting. Yeah. Well, let's talk nominations. I think if you're going for, yeah, for best supporting actor, mm. yeah, it's, it's not a long shot. Like, he could be up there. He, and of course, best supporting actor is one of the categories where the Academy likes to play gimmicks. Like, yeah. it'll always be either one of the oldest actors of all time or one of the youngest actors of all time. like last year they'll have both in the one category. (laughs) The oldest actress and the youngest. That was best actress actually. Yes, that's true. But still, they they do like to do that. So yeah, in with a chance. Tom Hanks will definitely get a nomination. I certainly hope so. I certainly Um, hope so. And it would be nice if he also got best supporting for Saving Mr. Banks and then he could be nominated twice, which would be lovely. (laughs) Because I love Tom Hanks. It would be a Tom Hanks year. (laughs) It would be a Tom Hanks year. He's back with a vengeance I'm telling you um, Greengrass I would really like to see get a director's nomination who knows he could he could it's quite possible in, in the vein of like uh, Bigelow when Bigelow got um, nominated for the Hurt Locker it's kind of in the same sort of vein mm. so I think it could happen he's made a lot of brave choices with this movie and it's worked well and Phillips will definitely get a um, nomination for best picture particularly if we're going for the seven to ten uh, best Picture nominations. Mm, yeah, yeah, definitely. It'll, it'll be in there. And it certainly fits into the theme of difficult movie to watch, but really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, we mentioned in the news earlier that Jared Leto and Matthew McConaughey picked up a few awards for Dallas Buyers Clubs uh, thanks to the New York Film Critics and Gotham Awards that happened in the past week. And it brings up an interesting topic, which is the topic of pretty boys that can't win Oscars. Because Matthew McConaughey and Jared Leto, for a long time, have been considered pretty boys. Yeah, well, they are. They're both very attractive. They're handsome. They've done a lot of flamboyant or, you know, not very important films. Matthew McConaughey was the romantic 
comedy king. He was. For a very long time. He has, like, it's in a, a worldwide in-joke that all movies he's in, he has to take his shirt off at some point. Exactly. He's a pretty, pretty boy. And I feel like Jared Leto uh, was almost referenced. I think, I feel like I've got this memory from the past where he's referenced in, like, 10 Things I Hate About You or something about being a pretty boy. Exactly. Here you go with two of Hollywood's quintessential pretty boys. What did they have to do to get awards accolades? They had to play HIV positive drug dealers who, if you've seen the trailers for Dallas Buyers Club, Matthew McConaughey is almost unrecognisable. He's so gaunt. So gaunt. It's shocking. He has lost so much weight. He's like a gangly, strange stick figure and completely has, you know, shed his abs, shed his sexiness. It's just going to gone. This guy. It's gone. He's become this, like, pointy rodeo cowboy. It's bizarre. And, and Jared Leto? Jared Leto has gone and... Played a transgender woman. Played a transgender <laughs> woman, an M to F transgender person. So he's, for the most of the film, female or, you know, cross-dressed. And also... Which un- is great. Very daring. Unrecognisable, yeah. yeah. Very brave. I mean... This is where it can get a bit dicey with the pretty boy because he's gone full pretty boy. Yes. Matthew McConaughey has toned himself down. Yep. Jared Leto's going all all pretty boy. Which is fine, though, because playing these kinds of roles really gets the Academy's attention. So what do pretty boys have to do to win their damn award? Well, I guess we can look at uh, Christian Bale as a good example. And he is someone who is not afraid to change himself (laughs) modify his body within like six months yeah christian bell is one of those actors who yes we can we've always considered to be quite handsome but pretty he's got kind of the soft features that he pulls off sometimes really nice eyes like high cheekbones (laughs) high cheekbones he's a poster boy on many girls walls ah christian bell this is just becoming the swoon hour it's just (laughs) two girls swooning about pretty boys but what did he do to win his best supporting actor oscar for the fighter to play a crack addict he basically had to drop everything become skin and bones and he is as gaunt as Matthew McConaughey looks in Dallas Buyers Club absolutely unrecognisable yeah and it's just amazing to see him going from that to going back to playing the Dark Knight being Batman just beefing up (laughs) and now in the um now in american hustle coming out soon he's gotten fat (laughs) he got fat he got a pot belly he's he's gone and eaten a lot of donuts um but christian bell is one of those chameleons who's willing to change himself and it's paid off for him but if i told you that brad pitt leonardo dicaprio johnny depp had never won best actor never won acting awards It's actually surprising. It is actually surprising. Considering that they are all They're the hardest working men in Hollywood. They're the hardest working men in Hollywood. They're the highest on the A-list. Brad Pitt has been, you know, around and proving himself as not just a pretty face for quite a while. Since 12 Monkeys, he's been like... Proving that, you know, he didn't get his job because he's handsome. He got yeah. it because he's good at what he does. And it's, it's, it's incredible that they've never sort of rewarded them for it. Mm. But I think, I think the key is, <laughs> for guys, it's either, yeah, you have to sort of make drastic changes to your prettiness, yeah, uh, a la Matthew McConaughey or Jared Leto and Christian Bale, or you have to get old. 
Yes. You have to pass the age of 50 or 40, 40 or 50, when you start getting grey hairs. Well, I was thinking about uh, Leo DiCaprio's very misguided attempt at Oscar baiting uh, last year or the year before when he played um, J. Edgar Hoover. That's true. In that the Clint Eastwood film. So baity. Hoover. It was very baity. He uglified himself to the max and it really did not pay off. <laughs> no. <laughs> but he, he got old and ugly <laughs> and it just didn't pay off. Poor Leo. What's he got to do? What's Leo got to do? He's got to get He's got to get old. I mean, look at George Clooney who's like grown into like his accolades. You know, like he mm. got old. And uh, um, somebody mentioned... Uh, Jeff Bridges, yeah, as well. Jeff Bridges is a good example of someone who's been around in the industry for ages, but was a pretty boy until he hit a certain age and was managed to get beardy and grizzly and won for Crazy Heart, which you know it took him a long time to get there, and he probably deserved it before that. Mm. So Crazy Heart was definitely an example of a retro award. Yeah, it is a retro award for sure, unfortunately. <laughs> but we'll get into. It. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio just has to. Yeah, I guess he can keep trying, just keep plugging away at being at uglifying himself. It goes both ways. There mm. is an issue for women, which is uh, for female actresses, which is along the same lines mm. but flipped, where pretty actresses again have to sort of like uglify themselves and I think that even a few of the women that have won for best actress when they have done something that has sort of changed their prosthetic look Mm. um, they have been accused of doing it as Oscar bait so it does happen that it kind of works against them as well. It's such a double standard to be perfectly honest the amount of crap that Nicole Kidman got for donning the nose to play Virginia Woolf but she won and not because of the nose because she was actually very good in that film. No you know all she needed to win an Oscar was to put a little lump on the top of her nose (laughs) like that was the one thing stopping her. (laughs) So she got so much crap for that when you know it is that academy double standard that you're only going to sit up and take notice of a very talented though beautiful actress if she uglifies herself if this is a very talented but ugly person i think with the women is what it comes back to is that hollywood just the academy just loves a gimmick they really love to see someone gorgeous not throw it away looking looking different Mm. because how much buzz like how much kind of water cooler conversation does that get you if you're just like it's true I went and saw, you know, that movie Monster and Charlize Theron looks horrible. For once, I didn't want that. <laughs> it, it is, it's, it's almost like a, 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 built, a system built on suspicion. They love gimmicks, and, but they're sort of still a bit like, you're too pretty. Like, I don't think you really deserve to be earning all this money because you kind of probably just got here because everyone likes to look at you. So it's a very suspicious kind of world. <laughs> well, as we know, the Academy is full of old, white, um, paranoid old men. So I think we need to get a sound effect for every time that we mention what the Academy is made up of. <laughs> old white men. <laughs> old white men. <laughs> it is an interesting predicament that a lot of people face a lot of actors face when they are vying for an award to boost their career um it doesn't always apply though i mean there are a lot of handsome actors that win best actor um I mean, maybe handsome subjectively, <laughs> maybe handsome to me. Um, and also, I mean, think about Jennifer Lawrence, it girl of the moment. She won last year. 
No one really knows why she won, though. Yeah. Why did she win today? <laughs> that was that was one of the most surprising turns in Oscar history. I think she's so Quite. new, <laughs> and they hate giving new people the Oscars. They've mm. got to, the thing is when you're going for acting Oscars, you have to win, earn your stripes. You have to be in there for a long time. You have to be pretty and then get ugly. <laughs> you know, the it's the veterans who should have won earlier that win or it's the, you know, people who are the kings that have been winning all this time. Yeah, and she didn't ugly herself up or anything. No, she's very cute in that movie. Any of you know why Jennifer Lawrence won an Oscar last year, email us at oscarbaitpodcast at gmail.com because we have no idea. We would like to, we're probably, we're planning a segment in the future which is why did Jennifer Lawrence win Best (laughs) Actress in 2013? Anybody? That's a brain teaser for you guys. You take that home. Take that home and think about it because you will get nowhere. The the winner gets a postcard. (laughs) I will will hold myself to that. (laughs) So how's poor Leo going to win his Oscar? Because that is the heartbreaking story of Hollywood. Is that he's the hardest working guy there. He's the third or fourth most bankable actor there. He's in, like, five movies a year. He's friends with all the auteurs. He's the prettiest of pretty boys. Yeah. He's way He's up getting there. old now, though. He's And he's also legitimately a great actor. Mm. Um, how is he going to win? All right, I have a pitch. Go for it. Vietnam veteran who's going through flashbacks uh, while trying to teach his uh, disabled daughter how to read. And he doesn't have legs. Oh, my gosh. He doesn't have legs. Did you just pitch Born on the Fourth of July? (laughs) (laughs) Starring Leonardo. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And the award for Best Uglification of Pretty People goes to the entire ensemble cast of American Hustle for their spray tans and wig work. Incredible. And that's about all we have time for on the show for this week. You can find all our episodes on soundcloud.com forward slash oscar-bait or email us at oscarbaitpodcast at gmail.com. Please tell us why Jennifer Lawrence won last year. We love her, but why? Why? Just, just email us, please. Please let us know. Until next time. Keep on winning. <laughs> That's awful. <laughs>